Darsh Ladd gave up the career he studied for as an optometrist to travel the world whilst also pursuing his passions, which revolves around inspiring others to become the best version of themselves through fitness, mindset, and nutrition. I can stare at you in, in the eyes and actually just listen to you because I've stared at so many eyes before. <laughs> School never really teaches you how to learn. They just teach you this is what you need to learn. You know, I had to build rapport within the first few seconds of meeting someone. For them to tell me everything about that's happening in their life. Doesn't money start to dry up at that period? And I can honestly say if it wasn't for optometry, I wouldn't be able to have that level of compassion, which I feel like is really important as a coach. My response was like, I need to get out of here. And that's what got me to travel my first trip around Asia. That year was the most unhealthiest year I ever had. I mean, I gained 20 kilos in six months. I'm not going to do optometry anymore. What else do I do? <laughs> what were some of the limiting beliefs that you had to break through in order to make that leap. I think that the biggest one I think a lot of people struggle with and I struggled the most was definitely. Hey everyone, I'm Sina Hageha and welcome to First Serve. The path to live a fulfilled and abundant life is to learn, grow and serve and that is what this podcast is all about. We'll have guests on the show who are utilizing their skills to make a positive impact to our world. Together we can gain a lot of insights, expand our knowledge and apply our learnings to serve others to the best of our abilities. This guy has a body like a Greek <laughs> god and a kindest heart and soul. Welcome to the first serve podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sina. And thank you for the intro as well. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So I was looking at how long I've known you. We've actually known each other for 14 years. So going back quite a while to our school days and kind of took a break for 13 years. So we actually re got reunited at our mutual friend's wedding last month. We said it would be great to have a podcast, lock it in. And I've been following your journey throughout the past 13 years. Obviously with social media now, we get to see what people are up to. And I can see how you've grown as a person over the years. But I think sometimes with social media, you see the highlight reel. You don't always 100%. get to see the ups and downs and the adversity you've been through to get you to where you are today. So that's what I really want to dive into in this episode is to really understand those moments which you may not necessarily share on social media and people don't know about you. So 100%, I'm, I'm happy to share deep questions. <laughs> yeah. But let's start with who is Darshan and what does he do? Yeah. Do you know what? I think that question is so broad when it comes to, because before it was, I only way I knew and identified myself was, I am an optometrist. And that's how, when people go, who are you? I was like, that's all I knew. And that was my identity. And on this journey that I've been on, it's come to a point where I was like, I've almost identified myself with what I enjoy. You know, it's someone that, me is someone I, I really don't look after my health. And what I've come to realize on this journey is I just love being able to help people thrive in that sense. You know, it's really trying to help people become one, the best version of themselves. And number two is, not being so serious about it all. So I think if you were to say, who am I? It's someone that just loves exploring, loves just tr 
being in different places, different situations, looking after my health. Number three is just connecting with other people. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I won't say it's a role, but it's just all the things I've loved and I've managed to just create a life around it. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about your journey, right? So let's go back to our school days and what you studied at university and then yeah, beyond and yeah. moving on to what you actually do right now. Oh, so like school, just thinking like, I mean, like it, again, when we knew each other, but obviously we only went to like a college together as well. So prior to that, you know, I, I guess with school, I didn't really take it seriously. It was one of those things that I was always looking forward for break because I knew I could play football. <laughs> I could always play the sports side of things. That was my main things that I loved was always making sure that that I had the time just to just play football. I'd quickly eat a meal, play football. That was it. So school was, I never was in that, the top sets, you know, all my friends would almost not necessarily take the piss out of me in that sense, but I couldn't tell the time for God for a good few years. And they, they obviously were aware of that as well. All the cl classes I would be kind of mostly sent out because I was always misbehaving as well. And I guess that happened for a good few years up until about when I went to college, when we actually met as well where I somewhat started taking things a little bit more seriously, but still nothing as much as what, what, what came after that. And, you know, during school was, again, my biggest drive was I loved being creative. You know, I did art at school and I loved the, the fitness side of things. And those were, those were what I wanted to do for, I was like, I'm, if there's anything I'm going to do for life, it will be those two. But I guess, you know, as you know, being from an Indian family, myself as well, is we had to think about what makes a career, you know, where can I be able to have a career that actually pays the bills? And it was just talking through family members where I actually started talking, like bringing up things like optometry, the doctor, typical doctor as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And did I start to have to think about, all right, what do I really, what should I do, you know, if like the fitness or being doing something art related isn't going to pay the bills, isn't going to be something somewhat rewarding because that's all I knew. What can I do instead? And this is where optometry came along. But looking at my grades and where what I actually needed to get into university, I was nowhere. I was not even close. And like all the grades I was getting was either ease <laughs> and blow. Like there's been times I failed so many times and it's only when I actually realized it's like, oh my God, I actually won't make it to the university I want to and I won't get what I want to do. Did I realize, okay, I really need to knuckle down. <laughs> and that's when I, I just had a whole different mode to me. You know, I stopped doing all the social events. I mean, you even know, like we used to go out together mm -hmm. as well. We'd party. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially me, like that's all I knew. And especially at the age of between 17, 18, where you, you get your, your life, you can actually finally start going out and there's almost there's loads of distractions, but for me to just go, okay, I, I can have this time, like future, just knuckle down now, put as much time and energy as you can right now. And, you know, you can reap the benefits after. So I worked so hard as much as I could. I, I mean, the library became my best friend. Mm -hmm. I would, as soon as school was finished, I'd go straight to the library, revise, <laughs> just preparing. And, you know, the only time I realized, because I didn't know how to, I mean, school never really teaches you how to learn. 
they just teach you this is what you need to learn. <laughs> and I guess one thing I realized the most was I'm not someone that has can read something just once and I'll remember it. I have to go through it over and over and over again. And I think that repetitiveness really helped me the most. And to a point where, and I still remember it and I'm going to bring it up is there was this one kid that I knew from school and he was always considered the smart person. And he was also in my human biology class, which is where I had to beg for my, my teacher to actually change my grades for me to get into optometry. But, <laughs> and he goes, I, I go, how can I do this? And he goes, if you ace your next test, I'll change the grades for you. And I was like, okay, and this is what got me into the library. This is where every lunchtime I go to the library as well. And when I got an A star in that test <laughs> and I saw the face on that person who for years always beat me in every single test, yeah. that's what gave me the confidence to go, oh my God, I can actually do this. <laughs> so that was definitely, that's the school time. And then that just continued. You know, I think I proved to myself that, you know, hard work beats talent. Mm -hmm. And that really showed me that I'm capable of doing it. My confidence just, just went to another level, you know, being able to present was another thing that also came with that. Just constantly realized I can, if I put in the work, I can yeah. actually get to where I want to be. So you just started seeing the results and that gave you that confidence boost. It really did. It really did. You know, I guess it wasn't that instant gratification. I had to put in the hours, you know, for that one person that puts in probably an hour to revise, I had to do like four times as much. And, but just knowing that when I saw his look on the face, when I saw it show the A star and he didn't get the A star, I was like, it was worth it. You know, it was worth it and I can do this. So that was a big step for me. And I, that's when I came to realize that, you know, if I keep doing this, what will be, what, what am I capable of doing? Yeah. I can resonate with that statement a lot because they used to say my brother's really talented at a sport and I used to be the hardworking one. And if we combine the two together, you'd have a really good football player, a really good tennis player. superhuman. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's incredible that you realize that at that age, because a lot of people at that age are just having fun and distracted. And especially with myself being the first one to turn 18 in our year, as I was the oldest in the year, you know, I had those distractions early on when I really should have been doubling down on my education. So that was definitely a distraction for me. So kudos to you for like powering through that. And yeah. Doubling down when you notice you're getting some results. But, and the way I want to explain it is, I mean, we, we still went out. I mean, we all went out together as yeah. well. And I never wanted to be where I was like, you know, just kind of isolated myself, which I had to kind of get a balance between the two. Yeah. <laughs> then what next? So you went to uni. I went to, to one become of, an optician. Yeah, I went to do optometry at the yeah. University of Manchester, which had such a high reputation at the time, being one of the best for optometry. That even when I got there, I was just like, do I even belong here? <laughs> because everyone had done so well to get there, and you know they all went to good schools. You probably remember Burley for us. Our old college was like failing Ofsted, which is <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that we even managed to. Yeah. be where we are today yeah, is just I mean I look back at that a lot and yeah we didn't really go to the best school right but you look at our friendship group and we've all done pretty well yeah. for ourselves in the environment we were in 100% like it wasn't the best school whatsoever and 
to see where we are just goes to show that we you know we managed to make something happen regardless of our yeah, circumstances yeah. as well I, I look back and i think sometimes that has helped shape who we are and the character we have and the strength we have to pull through because we didn't have it easy mm-hmm. and my memories from the teacher they're kind of like i don't think they thought highly of us as well when i look back at it i thought they're like well none of these students are going to get that far in life yeah i don't know what your thoughts are on that oh definitely i mean again as i mentioned like i was so misbehaved at the start like i i had it in my face where the people go you're not going to do well <laughs> you're not going to be able to have a rewarding career you're going to be stuck in a, just a you know a job that won't find like provide for you and yeah i got that a lot and i i can see in our college as well where they're just like it's just their job right yeah, they just yeah. got, this is just paying my bills yeah, yeah. so they're just there not really really investing in us yeah. but when i went to university there i come to realize how amazing it is to have good teachers <laughs> who really knew their stuff were passionate about it and really wanted you to learn and by challenging you to make you learn as well so yeah very grateful for my experience at university and you know again they worked as really <laughs> to a point where you know i guess when you talk about university experience i was like oh yeah you're going to have so much free time you're going to be able to do this you're going to be able to just party as well like we were at university every day <laughs> so i guess just realizing and understanding i've got the same experience but just knowing that again that that instant gratification wasn't there i'd have to wait till after to reap the benefits I was like okay let's just work hard again. Don't get me wrong, I still partied. I I partied a lot, but with the exception of waking up like very late and not go, actually missing days of university and realizing that it wasn't the kind of going to be beneficial for me, so having to I have modes, let's say. And there'll be moments where, you know, I would notice I'll be off track, very similar to fitness, and you have to get yourself back on track and mm-hmm. just keep going at it. So I'm very grateful for the experience at university as well and I mean if it wasn't for that the, the skills I learned in terms of communication the biggest one I learned was how important empathy was and that's been a huge driving force for just how I approach my coaching these days now is you know really need to understand that person so university again and this is what one thing I really wanted to talk about was the fact that you know where people see me today compared to where I was like I never wanted to be where I, like it was always hard work you know of course I partied so much I drank so much I smoked so much and I was definitely off track at one point you know like hanging around with the wrong people I think when you actually realize how important environment is yeah I was definitely around the wrong crowds at certain moments and that caused me to fail a few exams and actually realizing Oh my god like it's again taking responsibility of it and going I need to step away from certain individuals to be where I need to be. Yeah. So that was a big learning curve and of course I'm happy it happened for me to realize that. Yeah. They do say you are like the sum of the five people you hang around with so 100%. environment is quite something I realized yeah. myself and once you realize that you see that you have to make some tough decisions and let go of people that don't get the best out of you you just need to look at your circle and see who who am i surrounded by who's making me a better person who can i learn from and sometimes it's hard to just say well 
this person doesn't really serve me in any way in fact drives me further away from my goals and I think all that comes with doing some self-discovery work and realizing what your standards are because once you raise your standards and you're aware of them then it makes it easier to let go of certain people that aren't at your levels I think you having that realization at that age when you're in your early 20s or late teenage years is quite impressive because I think a lot of people get that later on in their lives I know that sounds a bit harsh or arrogant but sometimes you have to let people go because they're dragging you down I couldn't agree more you know I wouldn't say it's harsh it's the truth you know I mean some people are happy with where they are but for us especially like because we know we can give more I guess we have to be surrounded by people who are better than us because you know bring up the best out of us and that's something I look for these days as well and but again I'm glad I had those moments where I, I realized that I'm just wondering if it was later on in life because through those moments it, it happened again it happened again and you know just different people different faces but same habits <laughs> and again that's what caused me to just come off the wagon a little bit and just get into some really bad habits to just not look after my health let's say but I think now the environment I'm after is obviously just people who are better than me so I can just thrive in that sense yeah <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about after uni life and transitioning into a career yeah so go? 100% so I guess one thing I was always looking forward to, I was like, can't wait to just finish my degree, but also knowing that in order for it to be an optometrist, you have to do an extra year in practice where you work full time and you still have exams. You still have people coming in to constantly examine you. So you're just working so much and just being exhausted from seeing so many patients as well and learning so much and doing all the other things that hold a business together. And then going home and having to revise again, that year was definitely probably the hardest and probably the lowest in my optometry side of things as well. Because yeah, it was having to find the energy to somewhat learn even more. It was tough. It was tough. And, you know, I guess one thing we were always talking about, because we had optometry friends, we just couldn't wait for that, that high paying salary that we knew we'd get at the end of that one year. Yeah. And I guess, no one say it was the driver, but at least we could see the kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah, like somehow, you know, the amount of times I wanted to give up, but just telling myself, I just, just keep going, keep going. Yeah, and you're not far, you're, you're not yeah. far at all. Yeah. And, you know, having to make some compromises when it comes to social events and stuff like that, just going, okay, let's just do this now. And you know, eventually passing everything. And I, I had this moment and I know you won't believe this, but I, when I passed everything, I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to learn anything anymore. I can just stay as an optometrist. I get me good money and that's it. I don't need to do anything more. I just didn't even think about growth. I was yeah. happy to be where I was, which, which I think now I was like, oh my God, that was a mindset I was in because I was happy to get financially rewarded. And it meant I can just, go away and travel and do whatever I wanted to do. And, you know, I'll always have the financial security and a secure job. But I look back at it now going, oh my God, yeah. thank God I left. <laughs> so yeah, I think 
the job I had as an optometrist after was great. I would never, I'm glad I do it. Like people go, oh my God, you did all your years at university and now you don't do it. But what optometry taught me the most was the importance of empathy, compassion, and really connecting with one another. And I mean, I guess right now I can stare at you in the, in the eyes and actually just listen to you because I've stared at so many eyes before. <laughs> people go, you stare at like, you can look into my eyes. I was like, yeah, I guess I'm just okay with eyes. <laughs> but it did really teach me the whole importance of, you know, I had to build rapport within the first few seconds of meeting someone for yeah. them to tell me everything about that's happening in their life in terms of what, like their health, in terms of not being able to see certain things. Like you forget how important sight is and how it can impact someone's life. So, and it can be frustrating if someone can't see as well. So it really allowed me to connect with so many people from those youngest. I mean, the youngest I ever tested was about 18 months to as, as old, I won't say old, as wise as <laughs> almost a hundred years old. So that whole range, which I had to connect with different people within the space of a day, it could happen. Mm -hmm but it really allowed me to connect with people. And I can honestly say if it wasn't for optometry, I wouldn't be able to have that level of compassion, which I feel like is really important as a coach. So yeah, it taught me a big lesson. And how did you realize that you have this skill that maybe others are lacking? Well, <laughs> funny story. I guess I was always, at the start of the day, I was always running on time and then as the day went by, I was always running late. And I realized it's because we get 20 minutes to test someone. And, but there'd be times where the whole 20 minutes is just me talking to this person because they're just telling me about their life because they felt quite comfortable with that. And I had asked the other optometrist, I was like, does that happen to you? They're like, no. I was like, is it just me then? But I realized it's because I had, I gave them the space to talk, even though it wasn't the right time to do it, but they felt comfortable telling me. And that's when I realized, I was like, wow, people have this want to tell me what's going on in their life. And that obviously continued as well, where as a coach, you actually kind of have to understand what's going on in that person's life. And optometry really allowed me to, to hone in that skill. It really allowed me to just realize how important it is just as general to connect with people. Yeah. And now I want to dive into your traveling and what you started to do after. So when did you embark on this like, exploration journey? Oh, I mean, I'm so, again, so many stories around traveling, which I love, but my first ever travel and what I came to realize, looking back at why I did it, you know, luckily I, like, I'm, a, I'm one of six, so I've got five sisters, they've traveled a lot and that was quite inspiring, but there was nothing really a drive to go, okay, I'll do it now but from relationships. And I guess one thing I came to realize like my, my stress response was from the fight to flight was flight <laughs> and literally flight. <laughs> so that was how my first ever travel actually happened was, you know, I was obviously heartbroken from my first relationship as well. And I was like, what can I do? And my, my response was like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. And that's what got me to travel my first trip around Asia and it was two months and I managed to travel like mainly Southeast Asia. I even went to India for a little bit as well, but wow, like really opened up my eyes to so much of the world because prior to that, yeah, small trips here and there, but there was my first ever solo trip where I was by myself, meaning everything that happened was 
I was responsible for. And just in kind of immersing myself in different cultures, meeting people from all over the world. When I got back from that trip, I was like, I know what I want to do. <laughs> I know that optometry is going to allow me to have the ability to work, but also have the freedom to travel. And I just had the idea about that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I just, every year I decided I want to go somewhere. I mean, it allowed me to really challenge myself and do Kilimanjaro. And even after, as an optometrist, I thought, okay, I've like finance again, money was allowed me to actually just go away for a little bit. Cause I knew that when I came back, all I am as an optometrist, there's always going to be a job available for me. It's not something I had to kind of relearn skills. I knew what I needed to learn, needed to know, sorry. So my first ever big trip was I did 13 months, just mainly around Asia and it was just amazing because I really did become so confident of being able to connect with other people. And believe it or not, right now you hear me speaking a lot, but I was quite timid <laughs> and I used to use alcohol at the, like as a way of feeling confident. Yeah, yeah. That was just my go-to and that's what I did a lot during my travels. But obviously the times where you're not drinking is that you're sharing stories with one another and realizing that there's so many people from around the world, but everyone has a story. Yeah. And also the traveling puts you in so many situations that you just would not be put in if you stayed in your, your comfort zone, let's say. Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful for. I mean, sometimes I have to remind myself of all the crazy stuff that happened on my travels. And it's only when people go, oh, you went there. I was like, yeah, I did go. And I was like, and this happened. And yeah. I'm just sharing this whole story. And it's all, I guess one is definitely allowed me to trust myself because you are making all the decisions when you're traveling. But number two, it's that ability to just, how to say, it's just known there's a world out there, you know, and it really allows you to be a bit more open-minded when you're having conversations with people. And again, just making friends from all over the world is just what I love. You know, I can go to another country and there's someone that I guess the benefits of social media is that someone's like, oh, I'm here. Like, let's catch up. Yeah. And I just met them in some other random country. So that big trip that I did was when I knew, when I, when I was going home after that, I was like, I know I'm going to be leaving again. I just knew it. And so I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to go and to go away for that long as well. So yeah, travel for me will always be a big part of me. And it's, it still is a big part of me. Yeah. My friend Dennis introduced me to solo traveling. So big shout out to Dennis for that. He had gone to Asia, I think Thailand, Indonesia, and also Australia. And he was showing me his GoPro videos that he'd created. And he was like, you need to do this. It's the best thing ever. And that was the first time I, you know, stepped out of my comfort zone and went by myself joined a group of 18 other people two weeks around Thailand and it was the most amazing experience and highly recommend it to others because you learn so much about so much. yourself you you're put in a situation to connect with other people which even to this day like it takes me a while to warm up to people I'm not there straight away as the most lively person I'm just a bit skeptical trying to figure you out a little bit and then I open up. Mm -hmm. So 
being in that situation with 18 random people for two weeks really shows you a bit of character and that's an incredible experience. It really is, you know, and one thing I love the most is that, you know, here, I guess you're, you're surrounded by the friends that you've kind of grown up. You went to school with each other and then you kind of go, oh, I guess we're friends, <laughs> you know, but when you're traveling, you get to choose who you want to be around. And what I love the most is that age is never an issue. You just meet people where you're at. You know, one of the biggest things I learned because my travels was filled a lot with partying. You know, I was drinking a lot. I was smoking a lot. And the the travels I do right now is I'm not worried. I was like, that's how my travels were. Does that mean I, I won't have the same or like have a good experience because I don't do those things? But coming to realize that those are the people, like the, the people are doing those things now because that, that's where they're at. Where I'm at right now is wanting to connect with people from around the world, like whether they're expats or whether they are, they're just on a spiritual journey or whatever journey they are, but you get to meet them and you have the experience of where you're at. So that's what I love the most is that no matter where you're like, you are in life or where, what part of your journey you are at, you'll always meet the people that kind of resonate with that regardless of age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about how you shifted away from optometry because you mentioned there you'd been away for 13 months. Doesn't money start to dry up at that period? <laughs> what's going through your mind there? You're like, I just want to keep doing this, but I need to figure a way of making it more sustainable and maybe pivoting my career path and doing something else. So take me through your thought process when you've been away for that long oh, and yeah, are you living on a budget to try and <laughs> prolong this as much as possible? So yeah. It, give, give me some insights. It was a journey it. regarding that. You know, when I was on that 13th month trip, I definitely knew that I'd go back and I'd find job no problem. But then I was just like, how can I stay out here for longer without having to go home? You know, for me to be an optometrist, it requires me to be face to face with someone. But that's the only way that I can finance my trips. I was like, there's got to be another way. Unfortunately, you can't remotely do optometry. <laughs> I mean, you never know in the future, yeah. but I guess I met so many people that were going to Australia and I guess that sparked the idea of going, hey, maybe I could do optometry in Australia. So when I got home, I got home about 20, November, 2018. And I kind of, I think the month after I already booked my, I applied for my visa for Australia. And that's when I came to, I was like, okay, I'll let's see if I could do optometry in, in Australia. I gave myself, the, the idea was go there for a year. And I was like, it's kind of scouted out, see what the lifestyle's like, and then see what the job is like as well. So all I did for that year when I came back after my trip was just work. And that year was the most unhealthiest year I ever had <laughs> in terms of all I was doing was working, a toxic relationship as well got me to put on, I, I mean, I gained 20 kilos in six months. Yeah, I actually saw that picture. I was yeah. like, what's going on here? Because yeah. my memory from our school days is that as a 14 year old, you were the most ripped 14 year old <laughs> in the whole school. Like yeah. all, all of us had skinny arms, but you actually had biceps <laughs> in that period. So yeah, when I saw that picture, back. I was like, Oh, I've never seen Dash like this. So. No, I, I couldn't believe it was me when I saw that picture of me as well as my sister showed me. She goes, I saw this picture of you and I couldn't believe it was you. She had to kind of like second, like second guess. It's like, oh my God, that's you. 
I saw that and I was like, oh my God, like I just realized it was just a buildup of bad habits. But luckily for me that later on in that year, I was moving to Australia. Again, I was still bad habits. And then it was only when I actually, the day before arriving into Australia, that I just said, all right, no more. <laughs> I was like, this is it. Like I was smoking so much. I was drinking so much prior to that. That I was like, that's it. I stopped everything in terms of like, just the, that partying, that going, just going crazy. And that's when I, cause I moved in with my sister just for like, a, it was meant to be for a month and then COVID hit. <laughs> so, so this is all in Australia. This is all in Australia. Okay. Yeah. So when I'd moved to Australia, I did three months traveling prior to that, but January, 2020, sorry, 2020 was when I arrived into Australia. I was like, okay, a whole year here. It's going to be great. No COVID, nothing, nothing's going to hold us like, keep us locked down or anything like that. Completely opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess from that, did I start really kind of peeling back the onions of like, who am I? Who am I really looking at the success habits of other people? And, but still having the intention, I was like, okay, I still want to do optometry here. So luckily I ended up working for the same company I did back in the UK. And that's when I came to realize that this is just the same four walls, <laughs> different people, different country, but exactly the same routine. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And like, fortunately for me, like one of my, I mean, I went traveling with my ex-girlfriend around Australia. We did six months around the whole of Australia. It was actually on that road trip. Did I come to realize I was like, I'm not going to do optometry anymore. And it was actually having that space of just clarity of going, okay, like, are you sure you want to do this? Because you know, you know how you are, you just have to go for it. And like, whatever, what, what I'm trying to think about Matthew McConaughey, don't half-ass it, mm. <laughs> just do it. And that's when I took the leap. It was the summer of 2020, sorry, yeah, 2021. And I was like, right, no more optometry. And this is where the questions are. So what else do I do? <laughs> and that's when I asked myself two important things was like, like, what did I enjoy when I was younger? And what can I, how can I feel I can be the best of value? And what I enjoyed when I was younger, and we spoke about this was being creative and fitness. <laughs> and where I felt I can be most of value is that, that empathy and just really wanting to bring out the best in people. And that's what I loved. I love seeing people thrive. And I thought, okay, it's going to be easy. <laughs> I was like, this journey is going to be great. You know, not forgetting that it took me how many years to be an optometrist. So I went on this endeavor, just expecting results to happen, expecting me to get clients everywhere, expecting people just to, you know, want, the moment I post on Instagram going, this is what I do now that everyone will come floating in. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you can relate to that as well when it comes to just realizing that people don't know what you do, how you can offer, how you can be of value. And I guess they don't know your story yeah. where they can actually relate to it. Yeah. And I realized I was doing the wrong things for so long. And, you know, to be where I am right now was making all the mistake, mistakes that people have made in the past. And yeah, I mean, I look back at that moment now, I'm so glad I had that, that clarity of going, I want to do something that I feel like I can really be of value to people. And luckily I can be creative and I can actually help people with their health, which is a big value for me. And what were some of the limiting beliefs that you had to break through in order to make that leap? Because 
that's not an easy leap to make right where you know you don't have any secure income you're starting from scratch essentially in an area that you haven't necessarily trained for and also you're in a different country mm -hmm. i think back to living and working in different countries but i moved with my job so my job paid for my accommodation paid for my flights and there were other financial incentives as well so it's low risk high reward whereas with you making a career change and living in a country it's like high risk and unknown reward so yeah, yeah i want to tap into <laughs> that a little bit because sure. i think a lot of people are stopped by those limiting beliefs where they may not be exploring what they're actually passionate about or using the skills that can add the most value so dive, dissect that a little bit into yeah, that's a, you know, yeah, what was holding question. you back how did you break through those beliefs i think the, the biggest one i think a lot of people struggle with and i struggled the most was definitely imposter syndrome i was like who am i to tell someone about that when i'm like you know who am i <laughs> that was the biggest one i was like why would anyone want to trust in me when you know there's so many other coaches and stuff out there that was the biggest one and that was a you know i still to this day still have it but on an extent of going you know i can help people of where they are to be where to take things to the next level and after that they may find another coach to take them to the next level just realizing that's how it is but uh, the big one for me was definitely not being good enough that i think comes with the mindset of from just like my sports I was just like, I need to get better. I need to get better. And just realizing, yeah, I definitely had that moment where I was like, I'm just not good enough. And that stopped me from taking action. And that stopped me from you know, just engaging or putting stuff on social media. And another one was definitely, you know, being worried about what other people thought. Yeah, That was a big one. And to this day, I can honestly say that it's, it's definitely still plays in my head, but I just, over, trying to overcome it by small little steps. You know, that fear aspect is definitely there. But I always ask myself, I was like, what's the smallest thing I can do right now that doesn't really trigger that fight or flight response or that fear response? So yeah, that definitely imposter syndrome. Then the, how to say that, worrying about what other people thought and not being good enough. Those were the, the three that really got yeah. to me. And, but what kept me going was this level of trust on going, do you know, things will work out. I, I just, for some reason, just had this innate feeling like in me just going, for you to be the person you need to be, you're going to have to go through a lot of struggle, meaning you're going to be challenged. And I think when I took that, took that leap, I just knew it wasn't going to be easy. And realizing that for me to be the optometrist I was, I had to go through all the highs and lows. And that grew me as a person to be that person I was. So for where I was taking that leap, to go no, no more optometry it's almost like another cycle of going okay this is a coach and the person you need to be what challenges will i be faced with in order for me to be that person so that's how i kind of think it so i know where i need to be what does that person do what does that pe person look like what how do they deal with stress how do they you know interact with people those are all skills mm -hmm. and sometimes you you'll be faced with challenges in order for you to gain that skill yeah so that's how I tend to process things a bit logical in that sense. Don't get me wrong. When you go through a storm, you can't think uh, <laughs> you're getting a lesson out of this. You don't know what the lesson is at the time, but you know, after. Yeah. But 
that's what's helped me because I just know that everything I'm going through, the hardship, the highs, the lows, is allowing me to grow, to be that person that I need yeah. to be, to be best of service to the people I want to help the most. And that is part of the process. Yeah, I can resonate with those limiting beliefs as well, you know, not being good enough or what the people think about you. Even with the first episode of this podcast, I recorded it and sat on it for three to four months without wow. releasing it, four, thinking three, four that, months. Wow. that it's not good enough. Also, what are people going to think about me? And even still to today, right, I'm, I put stuff out on social media. I know some people are looking at me saying, oh, Cena thinks he's an influencer. He's this, he's that. Like, why is he doing these things? And I think there is that bit of crab mentality going on where people try and pull you down, right? You've probably heard the analogy. If you put crabs in a bucket, right, they are all capable of escaping. Mm. But as one starts to climb out, the other crabs pull mm. the crab down. So they can all win and get out. And mm -hmm. that's my mentality. Right? And we talked about this at the wedding. I said, I want all my friends and family to win. I want everyone to live the lives they want to live. Yeah. But the attitude I see from some people, even people who you think are your friends, like sometimes they're not supporting you enough when all it takes is, yeah, share my post on your story. Like it's free, but mm -hmm. people are so into, or what if I share his story? He's not really credible enough, but we're really good friends. You'd rather share someone else's quote who has a million followers, but I'm sharing a similar quote that's mm -hmm. related to my story, but you don't want to share that because I'm not seen as like, as the same level of influence. And yeah. something I actually wrote in my journal the other day was when you start to talk about it, they laugh at you. When you start to do it, they think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. And when you do it, they ask you how you did it. Perfect. I think that's how you realize yeah. who the real ones are. And, you know, some of the people I met at the wedding, I hadn't seen for years, but we have that connection. We're so happy to see each other and see each other grow. And I think that's probably what's missing in society a little bit is that people are just trying to <laughs> divide each other, you know, and not support each other to get to the highest level. Yeah. It makes complete sense. You know, again, I'm glad you're in that similar frame of mind which is going you just want people to win you know you just want people to thrive and you want to uplift them any any knowledge I have I'm like I really want you to do well like whatever I've done of course ask you know ask questions but I've definitely had that similar thing of like you know someone makes a small remark you're going oh you're an Instagrammer and stuff like that I'm like I'm trying to provide as much knowledge on a platform which I know can reach a lot of people and as soon as I say that again, the reason they say stuff like that is because either they've had the same idea and not doing it and you're doing something that they, they know sh they should be doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where I feel like they just want to bring you down because it's almost an insecurity on their behalf of going, they're doing what I should be doing. I'm going to bring them down because I'm not doing it. Yeah, to make them feel better to about make, themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've come across it so much that, you know, you almost come, come to a point where you just have to, I mean, they say, you know, you got your haters as well. I wouldn't say haters, but like you want people to bring you down and you've just got to keep shining. You know, you got to just keep thriving. You just got to keep putting that one step in front of another. And because they'll always be there. 
you know, and that it's a shame to think that and to, but it's the truth. And the, the way I really want to approach things is that, you know, when you're ready, I will help you, <laughs> you know, whatever knowledge I have is just, I'll hopefully it'll make it a little bit easier for when you come up, you know, if I have to go through the struggles to find the lessons that, so you don't have to go through that again, I just want people to win and I'm willing to go through that. So let's talk about the transition you made to a coach. Cause I don't think we've really touched on that yet. Yeah. Cause I know you made the leap, moved to a new country. Then yeah, you're starting things by yourself, realizing what your true passions and mm-hmm. talents are. You told me it was a bit of a struggle to get started. So what did you start to do to, to flourish in this space? What have been your key learnings? What, what do you think are some of the key skills you need in order to be successful in this space? So one thing I mentioned before was definitely, you know, people write down goals. They go, this is what I want. This is how, this is what I want in life. I want to make so-and-so amount of money. I want this car. I want this house. I want to be this place. But the way I've approached my coaching, for example, you know, I've done a mixture of things. I've worked on mindset. I worked on the fitness side of things. I also worked on breath work as well, which I, I absolutely love. And it's a beautiful tool when it comes to stress management and just allowing people to just get to discover themselves that little bit more. But if I start off with the, the mindset side of things, it's more of a sense of going, okay, this is where you want to go. But in order for it, let's say you want to be a millionaire. People, that's the first goal they want, right? So like, I want to be a millionaire. It's like, okay. So if you are given a million pounds right now, are you, do you have the mindset to hold a million pounds and invest it the way you should? No, right. Who do you need to become? Because if I was to give you a million pounds when you became that person who can handle a million pounds and knows exactly what to do it, whether it's business, whether it's investing, you have become that person who is capable of looking after yeah. and making a million pounds to make more. And similar to the fitness side of things, right? This is where you're at. And this is where you want to go. Or like, this is the goal you want. All right, what kind of person do you need to be? Do you still wake up at 12 p.m.? <laughs> no, yeah. you you are now waking up early because you realize now that getting stuff done in the morning is the best time to get things done. So you don't have to try and find time in the day. Yeah. So that's how I approach the mindset side of things. Very simple things. I mean, we went into other things like limiting beliefs and stuff. But when it came to the fitness side of things, you know, I keep things so simple because I look at what works. I don't go for, luckily I do... I say simple. I mean, yes, I do body weight training and calisthenics as well, which I love because I transitioned from like built, like pumping weights to just all body weight training now. And that was a huge transformation for me because I got amazing results just using my body weight. Right. And, but that's how I've helped people because I've got the hybrid in that sense. I can use weights, but I can also allow you to get what more mobile in that sense and also move a lot more free, let's say. So that's how I help people when it comes to the coaching side of things. Then you have the breathwork side of things, which I think is a, a, a magical tool. The way I've had to explain breathwork, because there's a bit of misconception, especially when I come back to the UK and I go, oh, have you ever done breathwork? Like, yeah, like I've done meditation. I'm like, no, no, no. Like breathwork is a whole different experience. It's actually manipulating your breathing pattern for you to have a, almost an, an inward journey. 
And that's when they're like, no. And when I take people through that journey, oh my God, they have the most profound experience. And for me to go through that experience as well, like I've had, I've had journeys that have dictated what I've done next, let's say that I've gone with the attention. I was like, all right, what's next for me? And the, the visions I have, the, the answers I have, have genuinely allowed me to answer some questions that I just couldn't find answers to. So I've almost kind of approached my coaching in a very holistic way. You know, we do have to, mindset's key, but also your health is key, your, your nutrition as your fitness, but also stress management. You know, you can have all these things, but if you're not looking after your stress, mm. unfortunately you're not going to get anywhere because the moment I get you into the results you want and then I step away, something kicks off and you can't yeah. manage your stress, you're back to square one. But that's when you make bad decisions, right? Exactly. When you're stressed. Emotionally eating. Yeah. And again, because life happens to us, I think we just want life to be this very kind of easy life, but life is hard. And I'm, I can happily say that I'm in a set, sense of going, it's going to test you of how much you want something. So that's why I want to approach my coaching in a very different way of going, right, I've got these other tools which are available for you that I can help you with, whether it's, I mean, the way I've, I've explained it, and I'll go back to the other two before, but the breathwork side of things is the breath is with you from the moment you're born to the very end, right? Through life, you go through the most wonderful experience, but you have the most hardest times and those like the, the sad moments. But the thing that changes the most in those experiences, if you may notice, is your breath. You know, when you're happy, you're ecstatic, you're in great mood, you're breathing from your belly. But when you're stressed, you're angry, you're sad, you're breathing right up in your chest. So imagine those moments where you're stressed and you have the ability to be aware of that and start controlling your, your emotions because you can just recognize you just need to breathe a little bit deeper. That's what I feel like is key because you won't go down that trajectory, which gets you back into bad habits. Mm -hmm. So you are in control of your emotions. So if you're in control of your emotions, you can actually navigate your mindset as well as your fitness, your nutrition, actually keep on track. So that's why I've, I've approached my coaching in that sense, but it wasn't something that I had one day. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna do all these things. And that's gonna be the coach I had. Oh, that's the, sorry, the coach I'm gonna be. It was through learning these tools. Yeah, It's through going through the journeys myself and again, I was like, okay, all I'm going to do is just mindset. But I was like, there's more to give. And that's when I went to fitness and then I went to breath work. So that's who I am right now. Yeah. And just being able to help people in their just daily lives. Cause not everyone has the, I guess the freedom to just train hours a day. You know, they've got families, they've got high stress jobs. How can I be of value in those situations? And that's yeah. what I think is key. I think the challenge is a lot of people want to fast track the process and get straight to the goal, even with your million pound analogy. Mm -hmm. They just want the million pound, but yep. they don't think about the identity they need to build in order to become that person. 100%. Like you mentioned. So talk me through some of the self-discovery you've done to become the person you are now, because you just mentioned you've, applied these tools, you've gone through the process yourself. So what have you learned about yourself in terms of your purpose, your mission, your values, your superpowers? So on this kind of journey, especially moving to Melbourne, I mean, when I first moved to Melbourne, I didn't know, I didn't know anyone. I mean, literally just 
during lockdown, no one's kind of meeting anyone, but I knew where I could find people that kind of had similar, how to say similar habits and kind of goals when I was like, okay, an outdoor gym, that's where people will want to train. And then I had that similar response I was telling you about earlier, that fight or flight response. My stress response was like, you need to get out of Melbourne. You need to go back to Sydney where it's safe. And I had to have this moment where I sat down on myself, I meditated through it. I was like something, and I don't know what, it was just kind of just trusting myself and go, you need to stay in Melbourne. And it was actually a day after where I met two guys who with those two guys, we created a community in Melbourne called W4C. And, you know, from being this close to just flying out of Melbourne to realizing that I trusted something was like, you need to stay here. But I didn't go seeking out for answers for that. I just trusted, you know, I always said that, you know yourself better than anyone else. So something was like, okay, stay here. <laughs> and then the day after I met those two guys and we ended up like having, I was doing ab sessions. <laughs> I was doing ab sessions every week and I was just like, what am I doing? You know, how did this happen? And ha what would happen if I just left Sydney? Would it have happened? But it's because I trusted myself. So that was one key element was just like, just trust you. And you do have the answers. You just have to approach it in a very different way. You know, we tend to try and solve problems with the same mind that created it, right? And, but actually understanding that we use words to solve problems. Why not just stay quiet and just allow a, a feeling to give you the answer rather than words. So I'm hoping this is making yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. but this is just how I process things. And then I was exposed to and introduced to breath work. And I'm not sure if you've ever had an experience with yeah, breath work. It, it's absolutely magical, but it taught me the importance of intention. What is it I want from this experience? And that's when, you know, going through the journey of just having these outer body experiences of going, oh my God, this is, this is the person I get to do life with. You know, this is looking at my strengths and looking at where I feel like I can be how I can be valuable to people again. I'm always going back to value because again, that's what I want to do is serve. And then I guess when it came to, I decided to leave the community, not necessarily because of it was, anything was wrong. It's just that it wasn't going the direction I wanted it to go. So after that, did I come to realize I still want to, it taught me the importance of community. I guess that's where I was going with this. And I wanted to create my own but with a different different goal in that sense. I just wanted to keep it free. I just wanted people to show up whenever they wanted to, but also make it challenging. So I wouldn't change the time. I made it awkward for that very reason. It was eight o'clock on a Wednesday and on a Friday. People had work at nine. You can come, you can go. And it was a challenge. So through that and through those experiences and through meditation and through breath work, did I come to, it kind of allowed me to realize the importance of, my three values I'd say, which is community, compassion, and health. And I think those three really complement one another. And that's what allowed me to, you know, create the community I was very grateful of creating. And, you know, the fact that it's still going to continue. I'm just very happy about that. That's amazing. So I want to do a quick fire round where I'll say a sentence and then finish off the sentence and just quickly explain why. Sure. To me, mindset is the key to. Growth mindset is the key to results. I, I feel like that's going to be the one that's 
you change your mindset. You have that little inner voice that tells you to get up in the morning rather than staying in bed is going to get you the results that you're after. My biggest passion in life currently revolves around seeing people win. I, I think there's something great about seeing where someone was and to where they become, what they become and making their vision a reality. If I could give one health tip to everyone, it would be walk, walk every day, whatever it is. If you have the opportunity to just walk. The most important lesson travel has taught me is. <sighs> there, oh, this is a good one because there's so much the importance of storytelling. Share your story with the world. My life mantra is get better. <laughs> My favorite book is. Ooh, there's so many. All right. Four Agreements by Don Miguel Rios changed everything for me. My favorite quote is. Ooh, this is a, this is a tough one. I'd say it would have to be the one of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity the einstein einstein right? yeah. yeah and what's next for darshan what legacy do you want to leave behind what's coming up for me it's just reaching more people and just you know transforming their lives on a very holistic approach you know i want people to get results and keep results and just be successful and for me success is just how happy you are with that your life and whatever that may look like for you it doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to have big houses, but as long as you are happy, that's mm. what I want to be able to help you with. All right. And how can people get in touch with you? Mainly I've got a YouTube channel, which is all my workouts and stuff on there. And my Instagram at Dash Lad, the underscore as well. Yeah. That's where I put all my content out for, from bodyweight workouts to, you know, just general tips, but that's where they can find me. Nice. And I like to end the podcast with one question. If you could do one thing to serve yourself and to serve others, what would it be? Oh, just be genuinely present when you are talking to someone, you know, just listen to them without having to want to respond. Just listen. You know, there's never a reason for you to say anything. Just be present, connect and just love one another. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, well, thanks. Man. I really enjoyed Thank this you. episode. You know, we haven't connected for such a long time. So I myself was really interested to hear your journey and what you have to say. Yeah. And I'm sure our listeners are going to feel the same way. I'm glad we could do this. And I'm glad, you know, we, we set the intention. We made it happen. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Also, I'm now on YouTube. If you want to see the videos of these episodes. Just search for seeing a haggy hat and you'll find me.